The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here. we got a fantastic program in store for you as we get ready for Mining Money with Brandon Davis, Imran Khan, Jeremy Pate coming up in just a moment or two, our weekly segment this week, The Calm Before the Investment Storm. Investments are going to happen soon. It's fourth quarter. Preparation has just begun for many companies. A lot of revisions going on where they're going to put their money next year, and you, as an individual, may want to invest some money. So coming up in just a moment or two, Mining Money, our weekly segment. And then we're going to talk with Dan Hedrington about the Davis Refinery. Looks like the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the Davis Refinery Meridian Energy Group one more time after two years of litigation fighting this refinery in the court. It looks like they got the green light. So next spring is my understanding of when they're going to start breaking ground on the greenest refinery in the United States, in the world. It's going to set the standard for the new refineries going forward. The first refinery, Greenfield Refinery, being built in the United States in the last 40, 50 years, happening right in Belfield, North Dakota. Dan Hedrington coming up in just a bit. Then, to conclude the program, Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve. Their new quarterly study is out, and it's looking Slow growth. They got some great stabilization indicators. A little bit of a downtick still, but let me tell you, folks, when you're going down 60 to 70 percent first and second quarter, and then you only go down five to 10 percent, that is some good news. So Canal Patel to kind of disseminate, dissect, and interpret the new study they have. That's Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve, Dan Hedrington with SEH on the Davis Refinery. And right now, it's time for Mine and Money. Wait a minute, we've got a sound guy. Let's get the sound guy ready for some Mine and Money. Thank you so much for having us, Jason. Yeah, so we did a career fair day a couple days ago. It was, it was definitely different, I guess, during COVID than, than what, what I've seen in the past. But, uh, you know, we, we did multiple sessions to kind of make sure that uh, people were separated out. And, um, you know, we, we talked with uh, quite a few different groups, some, some great potential folks. Um, a lot of what I saw was folks that were in oil and gas and other avenues of, of oil and gas kind of wanting to wanting to get into some of these other areas that we're in with respect to the sales aspect of, of selling deals. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of younger guys that um, you know, I had a guy that was from Exxon. There was uh, there was a few people that were from Halliburton. Uh, a lot of folks that have a lot of good knowledge from oil and gas standpoint. Uh, that that may be maybe good from from our perspective to talk with our partners and potential partners. I think uh, that's probably a, a key point. I know you you mentioned a little bit about. Uh, uh, investments and uh, the the fourth quarter right now, you know, people are getting geared up for taxes and all of that. And, you know, a lot of folks that, you know, that, that are making 250, 300K and uh, are paying a third of that in taxes, you know, if you, if you participate in 
general oil and gas ventures where you're actively participating, uh, all of the intangible costs that are associated with drilling um, are written off the first year. So that's really a big, big deal there. Um, you know, so there's potential for folks that are making investments with us to be able to write off a big portion of that. You know, I know I said all of that, but there's a certain portion that's intangible and certain portion that's tangible that uh, gets written off there. And, and I think it's important to be able to reflect on that. And, you know, in, in the current times, a lot of folks have gone through some changes in how they've been doing their family economics and budgeting and things. And I think it can give them a, an opportunity to be able to make some good investments, you know, kind of move forward uh, from that standpoint and end the year with a nice bang. I couldn't agree more that people are starting to change their family dynamics when it comes to their checkbook and some of their different budgetary things. But companies are doing that too, uh, whether it be shared office space or getting into these telecommunication, uh, video conferencing, all kinds of different things. Whether it's saving money or not, I don't know, but it's definitely shifting some dollars into some different areas. And that brings up like a lot of these mergers and different acquisitions and that sort of things that is happening. I read today Canada's just had a slew of them in the last month. And Jeremy, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's going on out there in the marketplace. You know, you, you, you're you out there shaking the trees and, and working the phones pretty hard out there. So you got your ear to the ground. You know, there's a lot of flurries happening and people are changing their, their monetary spending habits and things like that. So talk to me about what's go, what are people saying out there in the oil and gas world about investing right now? You know, it, it's kind of calm. There's not a lot of talk about it. I think there's a little, still a lot of trepidation in the market. Um, obviously, with the dip that we saw in oil prices uh, this week, you know, I think anything that anybody says is a little bit opinionated and speculative. The good thing is, is the gas seems to be holding its own and seems to be taking uh, its own commodity position indifferent from what oil prices do. Uh, you know, there's not big swings in gas right now, maybe a few cents here and there. Uh, I have a lot of optimism, as you know, toward natural gas. I feel like that it's going to be a it's going to be a big player and it's going to rebound very quickly, uh, probably a little bit more quickly than what oil has. I mean, just look at it. I mean, that gas is rebounded by what, 50, 60 cents? Yeah, was it cents was a AMC, I think, when we were... When mm-hmm. It got down at, yeah, yeah, $1.49 yeah. is what it got down to. It's at uh, 228 right now. It's dipped to about $0.04 cents today, but, you know, the thing is, it's not dipping 20, 30 cents, 15 cents. You know, you're seeing single-digit, you know, downward cycle. As far as oil goes, uh, you know, look, the, the Chevron and Noble, Chevron's acquisition of Noble was a big, you know, optimistic front that happened here recently and, and not surprising at all. Uh, they picked up a good acquisition with that. Noble worked very hard to get themselves back in the black and um, in a respectable P&L form. So that was a good pickup for Chevron. You know, I, I can't uh, can't knock them for doing that. You know, it's, uh, I, I was reading some sort of article the other day, and they mentioned on there, if a Ferrari was 50% off, would you buy it? And obviously, the, the consumers, everyone says, yeah, heck yeah. You know, if I can get a $300,000 Ferrari for 150 why not, right? Now, at the same time, when oil and gas is down or Apple is down or any of these, these different commodity items that are out there, 
are down and they're down 50%, do you buy it? And everyone really thinks twice about it. And it's no different. And that's one of the things. And the Ferrari is actually, obviously, it's a depreciating asset, right? It's funny because, you know, when you think of investing and you think of investing your money into something like oil and gas and getting in at these times that are out there, you know, people really question it quite a bit. And yeah, you never know what the price is going to go down to. But you know, seeing where it's already gone to earlier this year and the slow climb up, I feel as we're as we're seeing the trend, it's like two steps forward and one step back and two steps forward and one step back. But overall, it's been in a positive light. And that was Imran Khan and Jeremy Pate with Mining Money. To check out other exclusive interviews or other Mining Money segments, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. If you've got a question for myself or maybe for one of the mining money experts, feel free to email me, jason at thecrudelife.com. That's jason at thecrudelife.com. We will certainly get those questions over to Brandon Davis, Jeremy Pate, or Imran Khan to get them to answer mining money questions on your behalf right here on The Crude Life. All right, coming up next, Dan Hedrington with SEH. We're going to talk about the Davis Refinery. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Welcome back to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Dan Hedrington with SEH talking about the Davis Refinery, the first Greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in the last 50 years, and it's coming to Belfield, North Dakota. Ed. I'm Dan Hedrington. I'm a uh, senior project manager with Short Elliott Hendrickson, uh, other, otherwise known as SEH. Well, this is going to be quite a satisfying uh, interview. How are you doing today? With long time no talk, it's been uh, quite a while because we haven't had much to report on, have we? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's actually been uh, quite calm for some time. Just, um, you know, I, calm is maybe not the word I should use. Uh, people have been kind of sitting at the, at the edge of their chairs, kind of maybe a little bit of nail biting going, okay, what's going to happen here? How's this going to get resolved? And we finally got some resolution and, and we're quite happy. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you, um, you, you reaching out and, um, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So first off, you know, we'll just start off with a nice congratulations on this latest Supreme court decision. We should probably let people know we're talking with Dan Henryton. He's one of the chiefs spearheading the Davis refinery, uh, from the, uh, SEH, uh, Short Elliott, I'm sorry, what was the H again? Hendrickson. Hendrick, Hendrickson, your last name, okay. No, it's uh, not my last name. My last name is Hedrington. Oh, my word. It's very similar. It's, it's very similar. Boy, that was like a Mandela effect I did on myself. 
boy, that did, that wasn't a good thing. So anyway, but it's it's been it's been like basically two years of you guys fighting a legal battle. The first you know Greenfield Refinery. I know that there's a lot of other uh, subcontractors involved. Uh, you know outfits out of New Mexico and other states. So it's been a big project. A lot of different leaders in the industry coming together. So. A lot of moving parts, man. And after two years, my understanding is that um, the Supreme Court decision has come, you know, and it's in, in favorable in your in, on your side. Is that right or what? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so the Supreme Court was actually uh, had decided or um, been approached on two of the two of the outstanding issues that, or at least two of the issues that were taken to the Supreme Court level for um, for review. Um, one was for our air permit, and the other one was for a siting permit. Um, which is, is, is something that the county accomplished, but this, these opposing groups were um, trying to compel the uh, Public Service Commission from the state of North Dakota to also get involved. And um, those decisions were uh, uh, upheld by the state Supreme Court just recently. And, and we're quite happy. Um, you know, we, were, we were expecting to prevail. We've, the, the team has prevailed in every bit of litigation that's been um, you know, thrown against it you know, since the inception of the project. Um, two years is actually a little bit low um, because some of these groups were coming and trying to fight at, you know, county board levels and during public comment hearing levels and um, different, you know, phases throughout the project. And when, when the actual permits were issued, they would actually at that point file, you know, uh, their suits. We have gone through everything from uh, administrative law judges through uh, district courts and now through the state Supreme Court and the Meridian team has prevailed in every single one of them. So we're, we're very happy and, and excited about the, uh, um, the, the completion or the resolution to these, these suits. So we're, we're, we're quite, quite excited. Now I've been talking to you since day one that this thing has started. You've been working on this since the beginning, haven't you? Yeah. I, I was one of the uh, the first team members when so when um, when the project was was initially being evaluated by Meridian, they were looking for an engineering team that they could bring in that had the expertise and the ability to support them and, and to make the project happen. So not only did they vet us, we vetted them as well. We wanted to make sure that they were credible, that they had the ability to do what they said they were going to do, and they had the expertise to make that happen. Um, we ended up coming together very, very early in the project, um, teaming up and, you know, us working uh, for them to, to, you know, secure the permitting, do the, uh, the various design components, that, designing the components that we were working on, and assisting them through public hearings and meetings and permitting and things like that. So, yeah, you and I have been speaking for some time. Well, the reason I, I asked that question is because, you know, I, I'm taking a look at, you know, some other projects and even this other refinery that they built or added on to outside of Dickinson. And um, this particular project has, has been a little bit unique in a lot of different ways, you know, and... I, I wanted to get your opinion, because I, I wanted to make sure you were there from the beginning, like you weren't brought in to replace you, or something like that, you know? <laughs> no, so, no, that's not the case. So, um, since you've been there from day one, um, you've worked on other projects, too, outside of this, so talk to me a little bit about what's made this one unique. Um, like I said, there's a lot of different angles to take on this, but from your perspective, how is this compared to maybe some other projects you've worked on, and how is this one a little unique? 
Okay, so that that tr- that question is a little bit tricky, but I'll I'll do the best I can because there are several aspects of it. So yes, uh, I've been blessed to work in my career, you know, uh, in various projects all around North America and Canada, throughout the United States, uh, Texas, North Dakota, out in the West Coast, and you know, all over the place. And you run into a ton of different types of projects, and they all have these you know, neat, unique components and, you know, why are they building it? Is it, is it good for the community? Is it good for their, um, their bottom line or their bottom, you know, the, their dollar amounts, but it's good for the environment. There's a lot of different components that are, are intriguing to these projects. Now this project, um, what's really interesting about it is, um, the, the folks who were involved in a full conversion refinery development, um, which has been over 40 years since that's happened, the majority, if not all, of those team members that were involved in those projects are, if they're if they're around yet, they're about to retire or they've already retired. And um, so, you know, that it's been a long time since the uh, greenfield refinery has been developed. That's pretty cool. Not only is it for the design team, but it's the same thing for the um, the the approving agencies, the administrative agencies that re- that approve them when the projects were first developed. Um, those folks, you know, are, are probably retired at this point. So it's a, a new group of, of people. Now, some are experienced because of upgrades to existing facilities or modifications or additions, but it's it's essentially the, you know, a new group of people who would be involved in a full, you know, greenfield uh, project. And getting involved with that, those groups of people, the it, it's exciting because everybody is going, okay, this is a complicated issue and it needs to be vetted thoroughly. We need to go through and complete our due diligence at levels that are much, much um, um, more complicated or higher than what used to be. The oil and gas industry is, has come a long way. Things are, are, are extremely advanced and the technology that's associated with this kind of stuff is, is through the roof compared to where it was 40 years ago. So it's, it's, it's kind of like saying, okay, we're getting involved with a brand new type of a project and a brand new type of regulator and a brand new type of engineering and brand new types of technologies. Everything is, is very, very advanced. And that has been exciting. Um, the level of emissions that, that, you know, this project will have per barrel is significantly smaller than, I mean, like to the tune of like somewhere around a tenth of the emissions that um, other refineries, when they were developed, were, were emitting. So the, the technologies are exciting, and just the fact that you know it's a um, it's 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 a it's been a long time since anybody's tackled anything like this. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of people were intimidated by it. Um, you know, is this possible? Can you do it with the level of regulation that we have? You know, in current current times. Um, and what we proved is that it can. Um, but I mean, uh, I'm kind of you know babbling a little bit too much, and I apologize for that. But it, it's been very exciting, um, you know, breaking new ground with new technologies and new permitting requirements. And it's been um, you know just it, well, I'm gonna stick with it. It's, it's exciting. It really is. Well, I was gonna ask you the angle I kind of wanted to, I guess, find out is. If you guys ever really figured out why your feet got held to the fire so much more than many other projects that happened. And, you know, I mentioned the 
the refinery out of Dickinson. I mean, geez, sure. they 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 rolled out the red carpet for those guys. I was there. I mean, they got that thing was was no problem. And go ahead. No, I think it's a sign of the times. Okay. I I, I really do. Um, the you remember? I mean, in the midst of this was Dapple, uh, the protests going on in North Dakota. Um, people were, um, you know, concerned. I mean, when when you've got you know, um, administrative agencies uh, being kicked in the shins or questioned or double-checked on or second-guessed for every decision that they've made. You've got the potential of, of people coming in and, you know, causing problems, causing, you know, um, uh, the locals to be, you know, you know uh, agitated and, and irritated by outside parties coming in. And- Mr. Dan Hedrington, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Dan Hedrington with SEH and the Davis Refinery coming to Belfield, North Dakota, the first Greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in the last 40 to 50 years. Dan Hedrington coming up, continuing the conversation. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. Dot com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. <laughs> Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Dan Hendrington with SEH about the Davis Refinery. Uh, agitated and, and irritated by outside parties coming in and you know causing you know problems, uh, everybody was kind of going, okay, they're kind of if somebody's going to kick me in the shin, I'm going to flinch a little bit next time that somebody walks by. So the oil and gas industry was under a, a heavier level of scrutiny. It's okay if the, these, you know, these activists or these people who are opposed to these types of projects are going to cause problems, let's just make sure we go through things at a level that is much, much, much higher than it would have been typically or would have been, uh, uh, yeah, common in the past. So it just, to me, it's a sign of the times. I don't think that anybody was you know, from the, the state of North Dakota was saying, oh, we hate these people. We don't want them anywhere near us. It was more like, you know, yeah, this would be great to have in our in our state and in our in our communities, uh, as long as you every single T is crossed and every single I is dotted several times, um, which is part of what, you know, that that heavy level of scrutiny 
that was not only at the at the reviewing agencies end, but also at the courts end. The courts were going through things that the level of um, a review that they were providing this these projects were, or this project was significant. Um, they wanted to make sure that they were in a position that when their decision was made, that they were justified, you know, eight ways from Sunday. And I think that, um, you know, our ultimate approval because of the time it took to complete that due diligence and because of the effort that it took to make it happen, um, it's that much more satisfying. It's kind of like saying, okay, I could run to, you know, any fast food joint and grab a burger, but if you make a nice burger on a big grill and you're doing your own thing and you, you really earned it, it makes it taste that much better. And, and, and these, these successes taste really good right now. <laughs> Is this the new normal now in uh, oil and gas? And we've had a Meridian CEO on the program talk about how it's the new normal. And, you know, I'd like to not think like that, but at the same time, I, a lot of examples certainly seem to show that uh, any new projects are going to end up in court. You know, I, I hope it's not, um, but I think that's a, a very strong potential. Um, you know, these these when, when a group is opposing a project and they can take it to court and the courts actually go through at a level of, of um, uh review that is extremely high they go through things thoroughly they go through things their due diligence is significant it takes them time so i, I would never fault the court itself um, but the, if these groups are taking advantage of that the the significant effort that it takes to review these projects um, we might see them more in the future yeah I, I think it's a legitimate concern i hope it's not I hope the courts recognize this. And, and you know, actually, even at one, one point during the oral arguments of this project, I think one of the judges has asked um, opposition whether or not this was simply meant to, uh, to delay the project. And so I think the courts are going to, you know, recognize that as well. And they're not going to want to, um, you know, allow this to jam up their entire system and, and cause delays for, you know, an entire state because somebody's just opposed to a project. So I'm kind of either way. Do I think they're going to file? Probably. Do I think the courts are going to recognize it and try to um, try to minimize that? I, I, I definitely hope so. Well, that makes this next question a little bit more, make more sense then because I wasn't sure if you were going to know where I was coming from on this question. But I know in the last opinion, you know, you guys had the air quality permit upheld. And that was, that was a good sign. And then this this latest one here, my, my question was going to be about whether the courts are accepting science or not, because there was a trend happening where consensus science was seeming to be okay with a lot of elected leaders. And a lot of, a lot of courts even were okay with a round of consensus science versus actual science. And... When, when the judge asked if this was to prolong and that sort of thing, that kind of answered it a little bit. But I guess my question is, is how accepting was the courts to your facts and figures and science behind this? So it was a, a trust but verify. <laughs> so, so it really was. Because remember, um, what level of... of uh, okay, so I'm going to go back just a little bit, and I'll try not to, to take, too, take us on too much of a tangent. When... This project, since you specifically brought up air quality as, as an example, they when the project when we first submitted our our, uh, our our permit request, our applications to the state of North Dakota, um, 
for the air permit, it was um, the regulating or the administrative agencies reviewing that thing were going, you're going to have to prove this one. So it wasn't this this immediate trust. It was, um, you're going to need to verify. You're going to need to give us case studies. You're going to need to give us, you know, um, uh examples of projects that are already using this level of technology but in different areas and what those outcomes were so we we had to provide a tremendous amount of documentation to confirm what our our uh, application was stating that our levels of, of emissions were going to be significantly lower than than what is is common so once they saw that data and then they saw the science behind it they trusted it I think it was the exact same level or same situation that happened with the courts. I, now, I don't know this. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. But because we prevailed, I'm, I'm, I'm making the, uh, the assumption that they, after reviewing months and months and months worth of data, um, that they, they come to a point of or they came to a point of trusting not only the data that was provided, but the agencies that had approved it initially because of the levels of, of knowledge that those folks have. So it's a trust but verify kind of a situation. And as these projects continue and people see that, that these advanced technologies, what they've actually done and how they lower emissions and how they're less impactful to, to the environment are, are, are more um, you can point to the exact projects where they, that actually occurs. I think that that level of trust is going to just increase um, where people actually see that, okay, they were able to do what they said they could do kind of stuff. So um, I think we're in a good position. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the governing agencies, especially in North Dakota, that you know needed that additional work. They needed that additional uh, confirmation that these technologies were um, not only trustworthy, but that they've accomplished what we said that they could accomplish in different settings or in different locations. Um, that helped us with the um, the review from the uh, the court system as well, because the the governing agencies went through these things thoroughly. I mean, thoroughly, thoroughly. And when that information was provided, um, I think everybody was more comfortable that um, that the science was correct and that they can trust the science. You know, we've joked in the past about, you know, by default, the minute you guys turn on the light switch, you're going to be the cleanest refinery in the planet because you're the first refinery built in the last 40, 50 years. So right. that by, by, which, by the way, makes the marketing slogan, the cleanest refinery on the planet, the easiest thing ever to come up with, which I love because it's true. And well, it's pretty rare when a marketing slogan even has 10% truth. So 100% truth. That's cool. <laughs> it is, uh, it is cool. And anyway, I, I bring it up because um, you guys have gone through a lot. Obviously, when you become the cleanest refinery on the planet, immediately the bar is now raised. How many different areas do you think are going to be raised? You know, I mean, you're talking about the new norm, and we're talking about the cleanest refinery on the planet, and we're talking about, you know, new angles and pipes that are going to go a certain way so less gas can be emitted and that sort of thing. So... Have you guys thought about that? How many different ways, you know, that you're going to actually have a leadership role in industry now? Yeah, it's 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 been exciting um, because, you know, have we have we thought about it? Do we know exactly where all of those are um, as far as for how it's going to uh, uh, impact the nation? Well, the the let's call it the, um, the the general you know oil and gas industry. 
um, every time, you know, I think we're together and we're talking about even locations on where we're going to put components and how that's going to happen and, and, you know, what's been done in other situations is, you know, this is going to be great because once the, you know, the current industry sees this activity, um, they're going to draw from it just like you and I would. I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm making improvements to my yard and the neighbor sees it and he wants to make those improvements too, God bless him. That's great. And that was Dan Hedrington with SEH. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve talking about the recent survey, their quarterly energy survey. My name is Jason Spies. This is The Crude Life Week in Review. starts rising even when the storm comes I am washed by the water even when the rain falls even when the flood starts rising even when the storm comes I am washed by the water even when the rain falls even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water, even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed The Crude by Life the water. is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. When it's time to put the booze down Find us some solid ground Clean this damn life up And turn it all around Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve. Hello, this is Canal Patel. I am a business economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Wanted to ask you about the new Fed survey, the Dallas Fed survey. I believe it's quarterly that comes out for the energy um, sector, which is available at the Dallas Fed's website. We'll have it linked at ours as well. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Not too bad. Are you uh, at, back at the Federal Reserve building yet, or are you guys still kind of doing the remote uh, uh, distance work stuff? We, we are currently remote. Okay. It, uh, we are in a wait and see, but currently we are remote. 
remote office, I think they call it. I see I've school's back in session, so I wanted just to say uh, distance learning, but I'm like, okay, no, he's with the Federal Reserve. He's way past distance learning, so he's got like an office and everything. So, okay, that's – uh, go ahead. For, for all the uh, essential employees like the uh, cash, security, those are all in the office, but – uh, if, if it's not essential in which you must be in the office, they, they have us remote. So the headline I saw was from Houston Public Media that kind of alerted me that the study was done, and it said oil and gas activity continues to dip, but at a slower pace. And, um, you know, I've seen kind of some mixed messages. I've seen some reports that say, you know, next year is looking good. Of course, that's Anything done by, uh, you know, industry organizations, you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, what you guys were looking at was something a little bit different. I kind of, I, I dived into it a little bit this morning. Uh, talk to me about this survey, the Dallas Federal Reserve uh, survey, third quarter, September 23rd, it was published. So this is pretty much fresh stuff as of yesterday. Um, what were some of the takeaways, just initial takeaways that you saw in the report? Definitely. So at the Dallas Fed, we run a quarterly energy survey. It's for upstream firms. We have about 200 upstream oil and gas firms that are part of the survey. They're either located or headquartered in our district, which is primarily Texas, parts of Louisiana, and parts of New Mexico, although we do have some that would be participating in the DJ, in the Bach, and so on and so forth. Uh, in our latest survey, which is representing the third quarter, uh, just like you mentioned, there was a we can call it a dip, a modest decline in business activity. Uh, this is much different than the first and second quarter where there were, I would say, significant declines in, in activity. And you've seen that in the, the rig count, the frac crew count, declines in oil production. And, and that, that really happened in the first and second quarter. In the third quarter, we saw more of a modest or a dip uh, in these indexes. Uh, similar to business activity, we saw oil and natural gas production, again, decline, but not as much as the second quarter. Employment fell, again, not as much as the second quarter. The outlooks remained unchanged, but it's important to remember that first and second quarter, we had significant declines in the outlook for, in, for, for executives in our district for oil and gas specifically. And so having it unchanged just means that, you know, if they were pessimistic before, they remained pessimistic. If they were neutral, then they remain neutral. Uh, also, in uncertainty, they, they remain uncertain. It's just that not as many are saying that they feel that uncertainty is rising. The good news is, just like you said, you know, a dip means that we are nearing potentially a bottom in terms of quarterly data. There, there looks to be more of a stabilization. Uh, the real challenge, though, is that a lot of the executive comments use the word uncertainty. So, it's very unclear what will happen next. I think for many of you, you've probably seen that it's unclear, you know, how many crews are going to go back out, what's going to happen to production. Uh, a lot of it is dependent, uh, you'll see it again and again, uh, on oil demand. Uh, and and it's come down due to COVID-19. It's rebounded, but it hasn't returned to the levels we saw before COVID-19. So really it's all about uncertainty about oil demand, and it, it remains a little bit unclear what will happen in the future quarters. And that was Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I would like to thank Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve for joining us. 
Dan Hedrington with S-E-H, and the Davis Refinery, the first Greenfield Refinery being built in the United States in the last 50 years. It will be the cleanest, most greenest, most environmentally friendly refinery on the planet by default. The minute the light switch, the doors open for the very first time. So congratulations once again to Dan Hedrington, Bill Prentice, and all the folks at Davis Refinery, all the folks at SEH, and the subcontractors involved with the Davis Refinery. Congratulations. Look forward to breaking ground with you next spring. And Mining Money, thank you very much to Imran Khan and Jeremy Pate for coming by for our weekly segment. Of course, all of those interviews, plus, plus more, are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts right here at thecrudelife.com and our social media pages. Check it out. We have over 350,000 followers. If you add up the YouTubes and you add up the LinkedIn and even the Facebooks, We've got it right there, folks. You can follow our news. You can follow our comments and other people as well. That is thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. All kinds of things happen. We've got Living the Crude Life past interviews. We've got magazine articles for you to check out. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. We'd like to thank you very much for tuning in and listening. And if you folks have any sort of questions, what's going on in your community, I invite you to reach out and contact your local radio station. Not only do they play some good music and bring you some good news and information, but they also are a wealth of knowledge for your local community. Why do you think we do stuff with radios? Because they understand the local community much better than I ever will. So if you need some news, some weather, some information. I'll tell you what, if you need a good restaurant recommendation or anything, your local radio station would love to hear from you, and they can also help your business through COVID and through some of the uncertainty going on in the marketplace right now. They're a great, great opportunity for a lot of folks to reach people out there that listen to the radio, have their hands free, doing dishes, milking some cows out in the barn, using their hands for all kinds of work-related activities, driving. Why do you think podcasts have taken off? Because people are busy, but they want to keep their mind active. So radio has turned into another one of those strong mediums. Again, why do you think the crude life is on the radio? Because it is a very very viable and important communication source in today's world. So please reach out to your local radio station and say, just say hi. Just say hi. They'll love you for it. All right, folks, we'll be back next week at this time on this radio station from the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by when it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. And
now we're gonna have no trouble with the treble There's no breaks in the place It's just you and me and baby Singing it like we did in the good old days Yeah, we're singing it like they did in the good old days Because we're back to the way Yeah.